I have really enjoyed doing the Heaven series, and so we got uh, this week and maybe two more weeks. Next week, we're going to talk about what you get to take with you to heaven. Super interesting, so you don't want to miss that. Today, we're going to talk about, um, will heaven be boring? Because where you stay, uh, you want to have a good stay, and so if it's going to be eternal, you would kind of want it to not be boring. A couple of months ago, I had an opportunity to, to get an Airbnb, and this is what I rented. An 1860 Amish cabin, and it looks awesome, doesn't it? So I looked at it on Airbnb, it's like 1860s Amish cabin, great. So I rented it. Um, you know what they didn't have in 1860? <laughs> Indoor plumbing, that's right. It's really important. Indoor plumbing is great. If you don't have it, you should get it. Uh, it's really great. So um, here is... Uh, here is... Do I have a pointer? Oh. No, I don't have a pointer. Okay. The cabin is here. The bathhouse is over that hill and then into the next county. Uh, it is really far away. So, uh, it was exciting to stay there. What wasn't as exciting is when it turned pitch black to go from here to the bathhouse. Also not exciting. Uh, the, the bed for the cabin was uh, in a loft that one had to be a mountaineer to get into. I mean, it's like the steps were like this, and it's really tall. And um, if you reach a certain age, you're going to understand this. But occasionally, when you reach a certain age, at night, there's a need to get out of bed. You tracking anybody tracking with me here? Okay, so I didn't sleep in the loft because it was it was too dangerous to get out at, at night. And and then these trees, those are black walnut trees. They drop black walnuts onto tin roofs. And it sounds like you're being shot at. So I'm sleeping on the, uh, the, the downstairs area. By the way, rough-hewn boards, I mean, it, was, it wasn't the cleanest place I've ever stayed, but it, I mean, it was, it was just rough. It was just, uh, hey, it was like sleeping in a log cabin is what it was like. Anyway, um, I'm sleeping downstairs. I, I, I fall asleep, and then all of a sudden, bang! And it's like, <gasps> I thought somebody has caught up with me. You know, finally, I, I'm finally going to meet my, my maker. And uh, it's, good, it's good to think about heaven. You know, it's like, um, so those stinking walnuts dropped all night, incrementally. <laughs> There's no timing to it. It's just horrible. And so some stays are better than others. That wasn't the, the most restful place I've ever stayed. If you're a parent, you know if you're going to go to... Um, uh, a vacation, you have to think through, okay, what are my kids going to do when we get there? If you go to the beach, okay, well, are we going to, you know, we're going to go swimming in the ocean, we're going to look for shells, what else are we going to do? And that's why if you go to touristy kind of places, there are go-kart tracks and there are putt-putt golf places because you're looking for something to do. Now, there is a notion out there that heaven is going to be boring, that it's going to be you with your wings, which you don't get, by the way, uh, on a cloud, playing a harp, and that is sort of in our minds, right? And back in the late 70s, Billy Joel is a singer, if you're old enough, you remember, and he sang a song called Only the Good Die Young, and the lyrics go like this. They say there's heaven for those who will wait. Some say it's better, but I say it ain't. I'd rather laugh with the sinners than cry with the saints. Sinners... Have much more fun, only the good die young. 
Now, Billy Joel is now 73, so according to his logic, he's not very good. Uh, but um, I don't agree with that, right? I don't, just don't agree with it. Rolling Stone did an interview with Stephen King, the novelist who writes those dark novels, and they asked him if he wanted to go to heaven when he dies. And, and this is this quote. He said, um, I don't want to go to the heaven that I learned about when I was a kid. And then he said, it seems boring. The idea that you're going to be lounging around on a cloud all day and listening to guys play harps. I don't want to do that. And I don't agree with Stephen King often, but I do agree with him. I don't really want to do that either. Now, uh, Gary Larson is the cartoonist, and he, he, wrote, he, he does some really funny ones. Uh, welcome to heaven, here's your harp, and welcome to hell, here's your accordion. So that's kind of, kind of good. Um, this is kind of my favorite. Uh, nerds in hell. Hot enough for you? Uh, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. And this is the one I kind of want to talk about. Because this is the notion that people have. It's a guy on a cloud and he says, I wish I brought a magazine. And so are we going to be bored in heaven? It is a great, great question to ask ourselves. Now, I'm going to read for you in just a second a couple of verses from the book of Revelation. It's the last book in the Bible. Um, the guy who wrote it is a dude named John. John was a great friend of Jesus's, and when he writes the book of Revelation, he has been uh, arrested. He is in exile on an island. We don't know exactly the conditions he would have lived under, but he is basically a criminal on a um, an island for criminals. It's called Patmos. And he writes this letter. He has a vision of what heaven's going to be like and, and what the end times are going to be like. And the very last two books of the Bible, Revelation 21-22, John, great friend of Jesus, writes about heaven. And this is what he writes a little bit. We're not going to read both chapters, but we're going to read a few verses. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there's no longer any sea. Time out just for a second. When you're reading the book of Revelation, there's a lot of language that's very um, symbolic and figurative, and there are you know dragons with seven heads and hills with ten mounds, and there's lots and, and you know a uh, uh, kings with ten crowns. There's a lot of uh, language. It's like, well, how does a king wear ten crowns, and how does a, uh, a a dragon have seven heads? There's a lot of language like that. Um, you have to sort of try to navigate, is, is it literal or does it mean, uh, does it have a meaning? Like is there something, uh, does that seven stand for something else? Now, in the Jewish mind, the sea was very scary. It, it was a place, uh, the, the Jews didn't like the ocean, they didn't like the sea. Um, they were afraid that, you know, like many ancients, that if you go too far you fall off the edge, that kind of thing. And so, it could be that John is saying here, there's nothing to fear. And maybe that's the message. Maybe there is no literal sea. I don't know. Um, we're going to read a verse in a minute that kind of contradicts that just a little bit. So perhaps John was saying, okay, this is a place where there is no fear. Then he says, I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And just recently I've had the chance, uh, opportunity to conduct a couple of weddings. And, and so uh, I'm here as the, the officiant, you know, and, and the groom stands beside me to my left. 
And if you've been to a wedding lately, you know how this goes. And in the back of the room, the doors dramatically uh, come open. And the bride, and if her dad's escorting her down the aisle, uh, are there. And um, it, it is a moment that you don't want to miss. And so we always say, okay, stand up. And, um, and, and in honor of the bride, and the bride comes in. And, and I typically glance this way, but I look at the groom because I want to see his ex- expression when he sees his bride for the first time. Because it is a kind of a, a magical moment. And I remember when I was the groom, and the doors opened up, and there was Miriam, and she looked so pale. Like, I couldn't tell whether the dress stopped and her face started. I mean, she, and I'm thinking to myself, I hope she doesn't back out. I, hope she, I kept saying, that, I hope she doesn't back out, you know. It's like, I hope she doesn't, because <laughs> that's going to be really embarrassing, you know. She doesn't follow through with this. And so, there she was. And, and so, he uses this language that we would understand. And what's the word we always use for a bride? She is radiant. And so, John is saying, hey, hey, this place that God is making for us to spend eternity is magnificent. And then he goes on. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and He will dwell with them. They will be His people, and God Himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe Every tear from their eye, there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the, the old order of things has passed away. And we as 21st century Americans don't quite get this because our existence is so positive. Now you might think, oh pastor, i got struggles, I can't make my rent. I, I get it, I get it. You live in America where we have abundance. We, we have an abundance I've been places, Tanzania, for example. In Tanzania, um, I saw people who lived in mud huts that they built themselves with dirt floors. They ate lots of this corn mush because that was the thing that was most available to them. I, I was at a conference, and for our lunch, um, they had a, a plate of rice that was huge. It was a mound of rice. I thought to myself, how am I going to eat all this? And then over the rice, over this mound of rice, it's like a, they, they made a pot of rice and just stuck it on your, your, your plate. They had some goat stew, and they, they would ladle you a, a, like a little goat stew on the rice, and there might be three or four little pieces of meat, and everything else was just the broth on the rice. And that was luxury. It was luxurious. So we, we don't get that. I mean, every meal I've ever had at McDonald's was better than this. Even McDonald's is better than this. And so um, sometimes we don't get the language here. We, we, our minds aren't right. Okay, so John is on an island. <laughs> He's... Probably, most scholars believe in his 80s or maybe 90s when he writes. He's really old. He's, he's facing death. And he talks about this in language that would be super appealing to most people in the world today. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. And the vast majority of the world, even today, that's all they know. 
is crying and pain and mourning and death. And so John is saying, hey, heaven has none of that. So let's say, okay, he's talking about that ocean thing, and maybe he's saying there's nothing to fear because he's going to wipe away every tear. There's not going to be any, uh, any of these bad things anymore. And so he gives us this picture of heaven. Now, we talked about this last week, but when a follower of Jesus dies... We go uh, from this existence, our uh, eternal souls leave these mortal bodies, and we go, our souls go to be with Jesus in paradise, and we get it from verses like this, uh, where Paul, who was a follower of Jesus, writes, uh, we are uh, fully confident, and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies, for then we'll be home with the Lord. Away from this body is to be home with the Lord. And Randy Alcorn writes a book about heaven. By the way, if you want to read a really super book about heaven, Randy Alcorn is the author that you want to look up. But he talks about Genesis 1 and 2, the first two books of the Bible, talk about the beginning of, of uh, how God created the heavens and the earth. In fact, verse 1 of Genesis 1 is, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. He talks about the beginning of creation. And then Revelation 21-22 talks about his redoing creation. Right? It's, it's renewing creation. And, and it, it's, it's almost like a bad advertisement. New heaven, new earth. New and improved. It's going to be better than ever before. And I have an iPhone. Um, uh, every so often they come out with a new model, right? There's the iPhone 6 and 7 and 8. And right after 8 was what? The iPhone 9, that's right. And now we're up to 14. Next will be 15. And those are incremental uh, improvements. Uh, they're, they're a little better. It's a little bit, it's a little bit better. Uh, my camera focuses uh, uh, one nanosecond faster. You know, something like that. So from 13 to 14, I mean... We make a big deal out of the improvements. It's kind, of, it's kind of improved. When the Bible talks about God creating a new heaven and a new earth, it is nothing like what we know. In fact, look at what it says. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. You can't even consider what this is going to be like. It is so much better than this existence. You can't even imagine it. No eye has seen, no ear has heard. I mean, good grief. We can't even imagine it. And so I can't give you everything about heaven because I don't know everything about heaven. The Bible doesn't give us everything about heaven. He gives us just enough to whet our appetites. Hey, Heaven is going to be amazing, and this is why. And so if you have the notion, well, I'd rather you know, party with the sinners than uh, float on a cloud with the saints, you don't know what you're talking about. So, let me help you. Let me give you five reasons heaven won't be boring. The first one is we get to explore its infinite beauty. Look what it says. This, this is, blows my mind. Then the angel showed me a river with the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God. It flowed down the center of Main Street. Does that mean we get to walk on water down Main Street? Isn't that how you read that? How else would you read that? 
I mean, Jesus walked on water. Peter walked on water. Do we get to walk on water? How cool is that? And then it says, uh, uh, on each side of the river grew a tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit with a fresh crop each month. Each one of us gets a subscription to the Fruit of the Month Club. I mean, it's awesome. The leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. This is something like we've never seen before. Now, I don't know about you, but where's the most awesome place you've ever visited? I mean, like, where, where have you gone and you're like, oh, this is, this is heaven? I mean, sometimes we use that language, this is heaven. So if you're a beach person, you go to the beach, and, and oh, this is heaven. Miriam and I, we, we uh, celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary. We went to an island called St. Kitts. It's an island, there's water all around it, you know, I don't know, it's in the Aegean, uh, no, it's not right, it, it's, in the, it's in the ocean. Uh, and, and there we were, and white sandy beaches, and, and blue, blue, crystal blue water, it was awesome. And my wife is Swiss, and we've been to the Swiss Alps, <laughs> awesome, they're just huge, they're magnificent. And I've been to the Rocky Mountains, also magnificent. And I've been to New Mexico. I don't know if you know this, but New Mexico has 100 mountains that are 10,000 feet or more. It's, it's, it's a super cool state. And in New Mexico, in certain parts of the state, it's very deserty, kind of southwesty, kind of what you have in your mind when you think of the southwest. Cacti and sagebrush and tumbleweed. Tumbleweeds are real. Some of them are huge. And so they grow in the, in, the, uh, in the summer, and then this time of year, it gets windy, and they break off at the base, and they're these big <laughs> bushes that roll when the wind blows. And there's nothing like being in your car. You're driving along. Now, we have deer that run out in front of us. Uh, in New Mexico, you have uh, these tumbleweeds that roll in front of you. And if you hit them with your car... <laughs> It's awesome. Uh, they explode. Oh, so much fun. Now, they're not great for your yard. One time we had a bunch that kind of stacked up in my, at my front door. <laughs> but if it's windy, you just throw them. Uh, and they roll to somebody else's house. Perfect. Uh, so it's great. They're great. And in the southwest, where we used to live near Artesia, New Mexico, which is uh, it's in the southeast of that state, um, there's a place called Sitting Bull Falls. It's one of my favorite places on this planet. Now, to get there, you have to want to get there. I mean, you don't just drive up on it. It's not like, uh, if you've ever been driving, and it's like, oh, there's a waterfall. Well, it's not like that. Because to get there, you have to want to get there. It's 60 miles off the beaten path. And then when you get about 50 miles out, you take another right, and then you drive to Sitting Bull Falls. It's awesome. It's this sagebrushy nothing. I mean, it's just nothing. And then, for some reason, God decided to put a spring of water where there's nothing. And this spring of water bubbles up, and it goes about a quarter of a mile, and then it goes off of a cliff. <laughs> it's a waterfall. And then it goes another quarter of a mile, and it goes underground, and you don't see it anymore. And it's like, I, I, I love going there. It's like, can you believe this is here? Like, look at this place, and there it is. And the best part, when we first moved to Artesia, 
It was closed. And we snuck in. I didn't want to, but Miriam said it was okay. Uh, and we snuck in. So it was like, there was a fine if you got caught in there. Oh, it's awesome. And so we got to go, and, and it was a, this amazing place. My daughter is living in Salt Lake City right now, one of the many daughters I have, and our oldest. And she went to a place called Zion National Forest. It looks like that. It looks like a picture that somebody painted. It's on my bucket list. In the 1800s, the Mormons were exploring and they came upon this and they thought it was the closest thing to heaven they'd ever seen and they called it Zion, which is the Hebrew word for heaven. Now, think of the greatest, most beautiful place you've ever been. And Zion National Forest is like a parking lot. When Paul writes, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can imagine, he means it. Everything we've ever seen, the most wonderful places we've ever been to, will pale in comparison to the things that God has created. We get to explore. I think that's part of our nature is to, to explore, to do things that we've never done before. Think about this. I heard this on a podcast the other day. Scientists believe there are a hundred, let's see, let me think, a hundred billion, billion galaxies with stars like ours, with the sun, like a star like the sun, like ours. A hundred billion, billion. If you started to count to a hundred billion, billion today, you wouldn't get through by the time you uh, died. I mean, it's, the number is so huge. There are that many... <laughs> galaxies with stars god is by nature creative he's just creative and, and so we get to go and do things now we're limited in these bodies we have space travel and we have to get into a spaceship and if you want to uh, explore the ocean which by the way there's no telling what's in the ocean um uh, that that's that's cool stuff too you have to get into a little submarine to to do any exploring of of the ocean and, and so these mortal bodies of ours are limited but think about jesus jesus was resurrected and he did stuff that we can't do he appeared <laughs> He's not there, and all of a sudden he's there. How cool would that be? I'd like that. And Jesus was on this planet, and then he, uh, he ascended into heaven, and the, 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 con the confines of gravity just didn't hold him. So does that not mean, can we not infer from that, that when we get to heaven with our glorified bodies, we get to do things perhaps that nobody's ever done before. We get to go places. We get to explore. We get to do things. I love the notion of it. It won't be boring because you get to go do stuff. It won't be boring, number two, because you get to make new friends. Look at this. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, language, standing before the throne. Right now we are so constricted. There are so many boundaries. Language ties us up. I went to Russia one time on a mission trip. I stayed with a little widow and her granddaughter, and uh, she spoke no English, and this is going to come as a shock to you, but I speak no Russian. I know, I'm glad you're sitting. 
So the only way this little lady and I could communicate was with the little bit of German that I know from my wife. Uh, I know how to say potato in German. And so I ate a lot of potatoes because uh, that's all I could ask for. That's all I knew how to say. Think about my wife. I'm so jealous because she speaks, she speaks English better than me. She speaks German. She speaks a little bit of Spanish. She's a freak. Uh, it's like she does all these things. And, and, and then Vlad, he speaks Romanian, and, and their language makes no sense. And Emma, his daughter, was trying to teach me some words today. It's like, I can't. Um, I, it's beyond me, but it won't be. We get to make friends with all this multitude of people. Can you imagine that? I just think that's one of the coolest things in the world. And then we get to meet the heroes of Scripture. Ever thought about that? I mean, uh, there, there are some that you know, you're, you're automatically drawn to. Oh, I'd like to talk to David. It's like, dude, what were you thinking? You got the Bathsheba thing. You know, you got, you got stuff going on. You really should have known better. What, what, and you still get called a man after God's own heart. I'd like to you explain that to me. I'd, I'd like him to explain it. I'd, I'd like to chat with Moses. And, you know, like that burning bush deal. How'd that go down? I, that really sounds interesting to me. And then Samson... I'd like to see what a bad boy he was. You know, it's like, uh, you did some stuff, I, you know, I, I maybe don't want to take you on. Uh, how, how bad a boy was he? You know? And Mary, I'm going to sing that song, Mary, did you know? I, I'd like to know. How much did she know? When Jesus was born, I mean, I know she had an inkling. Did she understand it all? And what did she think when he was on the cross? Because that really didn't make any sense. I want to talk to Esther from the Old Testament. The combination of beauty and brains and bravery. I'd like to chat with her. And Joseph from the Old Testament, well-built and handsome. We have a lot in common. I'd like to talk to him. Dude, how is that? How is it to be sold by your brothers? But there are some obscure characters that I really want to talk to. I want to talk to the thief on the cross. I'd like to say to him, we don't even know his name. I'm going to have to introduce, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, it's like, hey dude, because <laughs> we don't know his name. Dude, what was that like? Wouldn't you like to have that conversation? Balaam, <laughs> in the Old Testament, had a conversation with a donkey. And the way it reads, it's like Balaam, the donkey talks, and he talks back to it. I'm going to tell you the truth. If the donkey talks to me, I am not anywhere in the area anymore. I'm running. It's like, that, that is crazy. How did that, how did that happen? And then Matthew, the tax collector, what a cool dude. He, he comes, becomes a follower of Jesus, and then he throws a party for Jesus and all his rowdy friends. What made him think of that? Oh, I'm going to invite all my wild friends to meet Jesus. How did he think that was going to go down? And... What a great idea. Do you know who these two people are? Shifra and Pua. Anybody know? Mid oh, wow. Mark King is bringing it today. Good for you, Mark King. The midwives, um, when the Egyptians, when the Pharaoh said you have to kill all the uh, Israelite babies, these two ladies are the ones uh, that chose not to. I mean, you think about the bravery. The, when the Pharaoh says do something, you do it. Unless you're pretty bold. And then, I, 
I really, really, really want to talk to the lady who washed Jesus' feet with her tears. Who brazenly enters a room with men who despise her. The, the level of bravery that would have taken. And who doesn't want to meet Zacchaeus? He was a wee little man. Uh, I, I'd like to chat him up. Like, dude, uh, you know, uh, Samson, I want to see how big he is. Zacchaeus, I want to see how little he is. It's like, uh, why did you climb a tree? Because that was a great idea. Where, where did you come up with that? We're going to get to know these people. And folks will ask me, well, I know my family. Well, why not? Why would you not know them? I mean... There's a story of Jesus, and you have, to, you have to take this from Scripture. There's a story of Jesus, and he takes Peter, James, and John up a, a mountain. It's called the Mount of Transfiguration. And there they encounter Moses and Elijah. And Peter, James, and John had never met Moses and Elijah, but they know who they are. How do they know who they are? Maybe they have name tags. I don't know. Moses. I don't know. But they did. I just look at Scripture, and I go, okay, well, that makes sense to me. And in this life, there may be people you want to know better. And in that life, you get a chance to. It's not going to be boring, because it's filled with music. Music. Look what it says. I heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels around the throne, and of the living beings and the elders, and they sang. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea. Interesting, because there was no more any sea, so I don't know how that works. And they sang. And they sang. I've been a, a pastor for 30-something years. I love coming to church. I love it. I love, I love the singing. I love to hear the music. I love to preach. I, love, I have never one Sunday gotten up and said, I wish I didn't have to go to church today. I love coming. People have this idea, oh, well, uh, heaven is going to be um, 6,000 verses of, you know, of, of the hymn book. I grew up Baptist. This is a Baptist hymnal. Does anybody know which verses you sang in the Baptist hymnal? First, second, and last at my church. I have never sung the third verse of any hymn ever. In fact, if we ever had a, like a guest uh, leader of worship and they sang the third uh, verse, it was like, what a freak. Uh, you know, it's like nobody wants to sing the third verse. We're not singing the third verse, you weirdo. Uh, in heaven, it's not going to be this constant singing over and over and over. This, I heard somebody describe it like this and I love the idea. It's like, like the music in heaven, sometimes you sing but you're not always singing. It's like it's the soundtrack of heaven. I like going places where there's a soundtrack playing. I was someplace, I think it was Home Depot, and there was a song that came on, and I knew it. It was by the Whispers, my, my generation. And the beat goes on. little funk, it was great. I'm in the plumbing section. No plumbers know the whispers. No, no. I knew it. So now I have a choice to make. Do I sing or not? 
Well, I looked around. I didn't know any of those plumbers, so I decided I would sing. I, it was a song that it's just it, it made me think of when I was in high school. It was, it was great. And I sang it. You ever get caught singing in your car at the stoplight? Are you embarrassed by that? Those people don't know you. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter. Just sing. Sing your heart out. If I see somebody singing, I give them, hey, way to go. Right on. Turn it up. You know, let, let me, I'll sing with you if I know it. Heaven is this place where we get to sing. Now, you might say, well, I'm not very good at singing. Well, okay. We had a lady at my church growing up. Woo! She was bad. Man, I say that in the love of Jesus. Uh, she was woo, really not good. We, we had a, you know, there's an old joke about their, their prison singers. They're behind a few bars and can't find the right key. Uh, that was her. Tone deaf. Really bad. But in heaven, oh. Even if you can't sing here, there will be different. Something else. There's going to be productive work to do. No floating on clouds, playing harps. I'm going to give you three verses real fast. Don't you realize someday you believers will judge the world? Think about that. We've got stuff to do. Um, The Lord God took the man, Adam, and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. If the original paradise involved work, why would we think this paradise, the new paradise, wouldn't? And Jesus said, my Father is always at His work to this very day, and I too am working. There is satisfaction in work. Jesus tells this parable, and he says, okay, well, some, some servants did great, and they, they were productive, and some weren't. And then at the end of the story, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. We get to work in heaven doing meaningful things. It's what you were created for. Yesterday, I mowed the yard. I love to mow the yard. I love it. When you preach, you don't know how you do. How do I know if you, get, if you get it? I mean, sometimes I'll think, wow, that was a really good sermon, and nobody says anything. And sometimes I think it is horrible, and people will come up and go, That's, that is the greatest thing. I just needed that. And so I don't know when I preach, but when I mow, I know. I can look. I'm going to drive home this afternoon and I'm going to pull in and it's like, that's a good looking yard right there. I mowed that. I mowed that. That's, I did it. I mean, I built a shed by myself, me and Miriam. I watched YouTube. You don't know how many sheds I built before that shed? None. I watched YouTube. I used stuff I had around the house. Built a shed. I go out into my shed. I look out the window. There it is. It's like, I got to go look at my shed. I go get the key. I walk in. I look around. I just like my shed because I built it. It's awesome. I built a shed. I'm going to put an annex on it because uh, it needs. I need more room. I just got to have more room. It's like I, there's something about being, what are you good at? Maybe you're a great cook. Can, can you imagine cooking 
in heaven? Uh, I'm not a great cook, but I like to eat. So if you're a great cook, maybe we can get together. Uh, and and we'll, we'll get to hang out. And, and what, what you're good at, you get, to, you get to develop. And maybe there's stuff you want to do that you can't do yet. I figure if I watch a YouTube, I can figure about anything out. My shed that I built needed electricity. You can hire an electrician, or you can watch a YouTube. My choices. It's like, well, how hard can it be? I'd like to know how to turn a switch on and it work. I watched a YouTube. Didn't look that hard. I did it myself. I ran a, uh, I made a trench in the ground. I ran it to my breaker box, put it in. I turned the electricity off first. Uh, really important, by the way. Uh, and then I turned the breaker on and I went out. You know, have you ever done this? You've, you've done something and now it's like, uh, I'm going to have to go see if it works. So I'm, I'm walking out to my shed and I'm like, Ugh. and I turned the switch on and it didn't work. But I have a little GFI, if you know what that is, a ground fault, and, and it had tripped. And so I, I tripped the GFI and I turned it on and it worked. And that feeling of accomplishment, you're going to get that in heaven. Can you imagine being assigned something to do by Jesus and you go do it? And He says, good job. Can you imagine getting a high five from Jesus for something you did? I think that's just awesome. Which brings me to my last point, and it's this. I saved the best for last. Finally, we get to develop our friendship with Jesus. Jesus said, you are my friends. i got a buddy, his name is Mike Wilson. I talk about him some. Mike got me in a lot of trouble when we were kids because he's very mischievous and I just went along. Uh, uh, none of those ideas were mine. And Mike always was a troublemaker. But he was the closest thing to a brother I ever had. He lived up the street. We played <laughs> wiffle ball in the summer and football in the winter. And I, I'd known him all my life. I, I can't ever remember not being a friend of Mike Wilson. And here's what I love about my friendship with Mike. Whether I've seen him last week or last year, whenever we get together, it's as if we, we just pick up where we left off. No matter how long it's been. We just pick up where we left off. Our relationship with Jesus is a lot like having a pen pal. He had a long distance relationship. We, we know about him. He certainly knows about us. But someday... We get to develop that friendship. We get to be together, hang out, do things. The way I developed my friendship with Mike was that we did stuff. The way we're going to develop our friendship with Jesus, we have eternity. I know there's a lot of us. But we have time. We get to develop our friendship. Heaven is not going to be boring. Far from it. If anybody thinks it is, they don't know what they're talking about. Bob Goff wrote a book called Love Does. And in it, he talks about a race he wanted to be in. I'm going to end with his story. He wanted to sail from Los Angeles to Hawaii. He's wanted to do it all his life. And when he was a young man, he got on a boat with some of his friends. They packed canned chili and water. You have to navigate by the stars. 
no GPS, you had to navigate by the stars, and they, he, they set sail from Los Angeles hoping to reach Hawaii. And this is what he writes. There's a tradition in this race, no matter when you finish, even if it's two in the morning, that when you pull into Ala Moana Marina in Oahu, there's a guy who announces your name, the name of the boat, and the crew members on, in the trip. It's the same guy, he's the same one who's announced the boat's arrivals at the end of every one of these races for decades. And just when we came to the end of our supplies, we sailed across the finish line just off Diamond Head and into the marina. It was a few hours before dawn. It had been 16 days since we set out from Los Angeles in our little boat, knowing very little about navigation. Suddenly, the silence was broken by a booming voice over the loudspeaker announcing the name of our tiny boat. Got that picture? And then he started announcing the names of our ragtag crew like he was introducing heads of state. One by one, he announced all of our names with obvious pride in his voice, and it became a really emotional moment for each one of us on board. And when he came to my name, he didn't talk about how few navigational skills I had or the zigzag course I'd led us in. He didn't tell everybody I didn't know which way was north or about all my mess-ups. Instead, he just welcomed me in from the adventure like a proud father would. And when he was done, there was a pause, and then in a sincere voice, his last words to the entire crew were these. Friends, it's been a long trip. Welcome home. What a picture. Friends, it's been a long trip. Welcome home. Jesus put it this way. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many. And then Jesus tells us what heaven is. Come and share your master's happiness. That is heaven. Come and share your master's happiness. That's heaven. Father, thank you for the picture that you paint for us in Scripture. We know you don't give it all to us. But you certainly give us enough to whet our appetites. Thank you for creating such an amazing place that we get to go spend eternity with you in. We pray it and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.